I'm Dr. Ashley McClure, a primary care doctor and medical community climate organizer and mom. Welcome to my podcast, Courageous Medicine, where I interview fellow physicians to hear their personal stories of when they first faced the climate crisis, how they see the responsibilities of being a physician as a call to climate solutions advocacy, and what gifts engaging in climate activism has given their lives. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking back to when we first met, which I certainly heard about your book, Enviromedics, which I think we'll talk more about long before I got to meet you. But I think we met about a year ago when I got the opportunity to present at the Stanford class that you co-lead or lead um, about climate and health. So it would be wonderful if you can share with our listeners about, you know, how did you get to be leading classes at Stanford about um, climate and health? I advised the students um, on certain aspects of it, but it was really a student-led initiative, and there were other faculty members who played a, a much bigger role. It all sprang from the book, from Enviromedics. That was a decision that uh, Jay and I made uh, back years ago uh, after he had written, uh, edited uh, his book on climate change and health. And we were talking about it, and I was talking to him about, you know, it was just a shame that medical textbooks didn't have the uptake that books in the, in the consumer world did. And uh, he really ought to write something for lay people, uh, because otherwise he had the, a fabulous textbook uh, that would go out to maybe a couple thousand doctors eventually, but it just wouldn't have the impact. So we worked on it together and um, got it done. And that was analogous to my writing Medicine for the Outdoors uh, to accompany the Wilderness Medicine textbook. Medicine for the Outdoors was in some ways more comprehensive, um, but was for lay people. The students found out about it. So the students were justifiably and continue to be very concerned about environmental changes and uh, came uh, to me and said, we are thinking about putting on a course. Um, would you like to be involved in any way? And I said, well, it, it needs to be a student run initiative and I will be happy to give a lecture. I'll be happy to recommend people who can lecture. I'll be happy to tell you what I know about successful classes versus not successful classes and just serve as an advisor to them. And they did a tremendous amount of work. I think my biggest contribution was to suggest that they open it broadly to the entire campus and let not just medical students come, but anybody come that wants to come. And we got a great turnout. Can you go back in your personal life and was there... A, like an experience where Paul woke up to the climate crisis? I'm always looking for the next thing. You know, the wilderness medicine uh, is ingrained in me. I mean, I've been doing that now for 40 plus years and uh, I love it. Love every second of it. One day I was just pondering, you know, so, okay, Paul, wilderness medicine seems to be a, a decently oiled machine. What else is interesting? And 
And it was climate. It was, you know, I couldn't envision having a wilderness medical society without a wilderness. And that's where we're headed. Um, and in some cases, that's where we are. And so uh, that's really what got me going. And so I had an opportunity to write uh, an editorial for the Journal of the American Medical Association. They asked me uh, to write um, an editorial. And I said, what about? And they said, whatever is important to you. And um, and so I wrote the Physicians and the Environment editorial way back when. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of pushback until after it was published. There were, you know, there's the usual... Uh, half a dozen people that just like to criticize anything. I got some letters that were just off the wall, climate denying type letters, you know, uh, and just accusing the whole climate movement of being off base, et cetera, et cetera, which made, gave me, and these came from, you know, supposedly learned people, doctors. And I, um, that made that gave me even more resolve. I said, "Okay, um, I've got to I've got to do this because I've obviously struck a chord with some people who aren't catching the wave on this one." Jay, who is a, a wilderness medicine aficionado, um, did his textbook, and then we had the discussion about the laybook. And the laybook just uh, we actually had trouble finding a publisher for that. We were just a little bit too early, believe it or not, um, about four years ago or five years ago when we found the publisher, Roman and Littlefield, which is a medical technical publisher. And, uh, you know, our agent was hoping for, a, you know, a multi-gazillion dollar contract with Simon & Schuster or something like that. And, you know, it just didn't happen. We just weren't there at the right time. But that wasn't why we did it. We didn't do it for commercial success. We did it because... Um, I wanted that book to go to legislators, to go to policymakers, so that they would have a, a, a technical medical explanation written in high-level uh, lay terms about the climate crisis. So it could, it could be a reference book for health. And we wanted to shift the conversation to health because it, you and I both know that um, at the end of the day, things happen when health is involved and when personal health is involved. And so we wanted to make it personal. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. I helped keynote a gala event for the San Francisco Bay Aquarium. It was me, uh, Sylvia Earle, who is the goddess of ocean science, and Jill Biden, the first lady-elect. And she was, uh, so I got to sit next to her. You know, we addressed the crowd and why the keeping the aquarium alive was important and everything. And I, I got to have just a one-on-one -on -one discussion with Dr. Biden, and she was delightful, informed, and very interested in everything we were talking about. Um, I, I handed her a copy of the book. I'm hoping she is the book, and she hands it to the president-elect, and he recognizes what he has. For him and for his new advisors to have, you know, something that's fact-based and, and powerful uh, and unambiguous about why this is important from a healthcare perspective. And 
That's where I want doctors to be. Uh, climate change is a complicated emotional packet. It's complicated to figure out where you fit in. It's, it's complicated to figure out how you can make a difference. And so along comes COVID, which is like right in your face, going to kill you if you get it and and needs to be stamped out. And so that is like, you know, shift left, man. The whole team was running around the right end and now all of a sudden COVID's on the other side of the field and you've got to go do that. And so what happened was climate change and everything else everybody was working on got dropped, hopefully just for the time being. I'll be the first to say that I used to think that if we could convince everybody about the medical implications of climate change, we'd, we'd get it um, and we'd be able to make a huge impact. And I'm not sad about the fact that we're not having the impact we think we should have, but it's, it's, it's a reality. So number one is control and reduce the spread of misinformation. That's our responsibility to call out um, all the gazillions of people who uh, have bad information and are happy to share it with everybody. Uh, the second is appeal to people's desire to be part of something bigger than themselves, you know, not to be left behind. I mean, this is, this climate change movement is, is, is here until we've solved the problem because failure to solve this problem is going to be very, very harmful. Um, in, in the long run, um, it would be just as harmful and perhaps more harmful than, you know, the scourge of, of COVID. Um, this, is, this has got grave implications um, around the globe. But recognize that just the facts are not enough. If just the facts were enough, we'd have made more progress than we have. And just hammering on the facts doesn't get anything done. So I'm a big, you know... I'm sure people are getting annoyed with me because I keep saying, can you stop talking about it and just do something? Um, you know, that's, uh, there's so many people talking about it. Um, and there's so many uh, seminars and webinars. And, you know, uh, the other day, Greta Thunberg uh, was, you know, on with the Dalai Lama again. And so we're talking now we're, you know, we're, it's spiritual and we're going on and on and on and on. And, and, and I just want to see us get a couple things done. You know, I'm not talking about it very much. I mean, when you invited me to address people, I was like, wow, I, it's not something I'm doing right now. I just retired from Stanford last week formally uh, in my role in the emergency department. So now it's just uh, with my current, I have a, a health situation that's kind of dire. And so I'm, I'm working through that and trying to make every day count. And it's going to be the climate change issue that I, I'm going to make time for. Um, but anyway, I'm a visiting scholar with the National Center for Disaster Medicine and Public Health. And we have a project now um, that uh, I'm working on called the Community Climate Preparedness Network, where we're trying to um, get individuals and communities ready to face the inevitable climate change related disasters and um, do that in partnership with the private sector and the, the military and uh, it's it's a bodacious project for sure it's go big or go home you know I mean and we're and we're doing it I mean we're not talking about it this is a project to actually create something and it'll take decades, which I unfortunately probably won't have, but the 
the uh, I want to see some things get done. So like the students that are teaching this course, I told them, okay, that's great. You taught a successful course. It was really interesting. You captivated a bunch of people. Now set it in stone, you know, develop a, you have a model, create a course that could be taught in any medical school in the country, you know, make it so that it lives on forever. And so that every time a medical student comes through a medical school, they have an opportunity to learn about climate change and health. So you shared that, you know, you have a very significant health issue that you're facing. And you said that you've retired from clinical medicine right now because of that, and you're channeling all of your time and energy to climate. No, I said that, but I have, um, I have a couple other interests too, but I, I, you know, I've still got the wilderness medicine stuff and got to get that all positioned to Mm-hmm. go on in perpetuity and, and obviously my family and my friends they come right right, right at the of course top of this. just like you said the facts are not enough why does this matter so much to I, I would love to hear more about why this matters so much to you because you said if there's no wilderness there's no wilderness medicine can you go deeper on that like why are you choosing climate to be among you know the few things that you're dedicating your time to right now why does this matter to your heart and soul because it's the unsolved um existential problem that faces everybody on this planet Uh, i mean there there are problems that are regional and local uh climate change is everywhere everybody um and um and i've always liked the challenge you know this one is you know for me this appeals to me because everybody says you you can't do it you know nobody's going to crack this one um you know the the forces of fracking are too great and i just say well it it has to be challenged i have uh children uh they're going to live a long time i hope you know and their unborn grandchildren there are um you know, there's, it, it's, it, it just needs to be done. And like many other things on this planet, um, historically, the healthcare profession is probably going to be the one that at least um, is the fire starter, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we may not um, do everything, but we'll have enough influence to get the right people in motion doing things um, to get some things solved. And I know that you have a young family and a lot of what um, motivates you is, is that. And um, I, my kids aren't so young, but they're young compared to me. And they're, you know, your kids are always your kids. So it's, it's a personal challenge. It gives, it, it, it keeps meaning in my life. I mean, you know, if I, I could, you know, sit back and say, Paul, you've had a great career. You, you know, done a bunch of things and now it's time to just like relax. And, um, but I'm not the relaxing type and, and the family has voted on that and officially declared me, um, in perpetual motion and, and they support it. They know it, you know, so people came to me and said, Paul, do you have a bucket list? And I said, no, my bucket list is just to keep doing what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing. You know, I've had something that's interceded. I think what I'm doing is important. That's why I was doing it. And so I'm just going to 
keep doing it. Going back to that piece about why you see health healthcare, you know, the medical community being the fire starter for solving climate. What about the kind of values and and legacy of physicians? Do you see that that leads to that conclusion? Well, if, if looking back through time, through the great uh, epidemics and plagues and wars and conflicts and the role that the healthcare profession has played in all those, it's been a it's been a problem solver. Um, it it you know it hasn't contributed so much to the conflicts as it has. Um, Uh, You know, we haven't had the medical wars. You know, we've had the holy wars. We've had political wars. We've had territorial wars. We're going to have climate wars. We're going to have resource wars. Um, But the doctors aren't like, you know, we don't have the anesthesiologists uh, fighting the urologists um, over territory, although they'd like to. But, the, you know, it's just the way we're supposed to be in the oath we took and, 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 and everything we do. I mean, I work in the emergency department. Everything we do is touched by our environment, what goes on. Um, and, you know, when we look at the current social issues and, you know, health disparities and um, uh, that there are people who are affected by the climate change, there it's cause, it's effect. It is the topic. I mean, it's it's the overlay to everything that we're doing. If I can't be in the trench fighting, you know, the individual battles, but I can make a contribution to the overall environment, um, I'd like to be able to, I'd like to be able to do that. And I, I may be, uh, you know, the odds are not with me, you know, that, that we'll get this big project going, but I figured, okay, Paul, you're always telling people, so do something, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you've been talking about it a lot. What are you doing? Um, And there are just some remarkable, uh, remarkable efforts um, out there. Um, There's the, the, the climate cabinet, um, you're familiar with, and you know they just announced the building blocks of state climate policy, um, and it is a remarkable uh, piece of work. And and you know the work that's being done by people, but that's very tangible. I mean they've they've created a resource. Uh, they didn't just talk about that it ought to be there. They created it. And, mm-hmm. and I know that you're working on projects that are going to have tangible um, products and things that will, will help people. You know, I've been lucky. The wilderness medicine was lucky because it's just an inherently entertaining topic. It, it speaks to the pent-up desires or actual activities of people who are, who are bound and to a, an urban medical existence of people with chronic diseases and you know after a while it starts to weigh on you and you know wilderness medicine gets you outside gets you on mountains gets you in the ocean gets you all over the place so i have that advantage um climate change is not so advantageous i mean it's it's if you just take it at face value it's pretty depressing what is the story you would like to tell if we were in 2030, say, looking back on this decade, perhaps the decade of the Green New Deal, 
what's the story that you want the medical community to be able to tell about our role in climate? Well, so I have to make up a story because I don't have a great, I don't have a story with a great ending, but I, I'd like to be able to tell a story where we, we found a problem, um, we addressed it, um, and we were able to measure an impact on climate that was such that it motivated other people to initiate other projects um, because they said, wow, if we do this and we follow through, we can have, we can have an impact. I mean, I have lots and lots of stories. I won't torture you from, you know, the clinical setting um, with individuals or small groups of people. It, they, they have cause and effect. I think we have to stop being uh, reporters of um, just the general scene and talk about what we did to actually make a change and have it be a change that's sustainable and that can be modeled off of and can inspire people to make other changes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, that's why we're doing attempting our project and it'll either be successful or it won't, but at least it'll teach, teach people some things they can do and some things that they can't do. There's a national student group on climate change and I'm going to be um, talking to them uh, within a week, giving them advice, same as, as to the Stanford students about, and, and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to be a broken record now. I'm going to say, okay, Here's what's been done. You can do that, and that's good. But you know, come up with something that you guys uh, that will move the needle for all time, and it'll be recognized as a student movement um, to impact uh, climate change and health. So, so you see the medical community's role. It sounds like kind of the same hope with the the impact of your book was. Do you see the medical community's role in climate to educate? policymakers? Is that, what do you see our role being? We have a lot of roles. Um, that is definitely one of them. I mean, if we're a trusted identity group, um, we need to leverage off the status of the health profession. I mean, we're coming off a, a, a dreadful period with COVID. Um, you know, we didn't create the problem, but we um, hopefully contributed to the solution. And uh, if if the medical profession isn't trusted now, I don't know what is going to make it be trusted. And so um, we need to lever we, we need to go right from that. The, the same people who were uh, influential in, in solving problems um, in, in the era of COVID uh, hopefully will slide right into climate change and just say, okay, so we got through this one. Now we need to start thinking about um, the next one, and they can't do it too soon because they've got a, they've got unfinished business with COVID and vaccine distribution, et cetera. They need to they they need to segue from from COVID into into climate change and hope that there isn't some intervening you know crisis that diverts them. I mean, right now in terms of what's going on in Washington, D.C., the worst impact is it's just diverting everybody's attention away from what's, I'm not saying it's not important to deal with um, the presidential crisis, et cetera, et cetera. Of course it's important, but the, but it's diversion. I mean, it's just taking our attention away from the amount of time and money and effort 
that could go into environmental legislation, that could go into making communities safer. We just keep losing sight of the ball, you know? I mean, we just keep throwing it out of bounds and, and we got to stop doing that um, because it's going to start having consequences. I mean, we have a couple more uh, catastrophic fire seasons that we perhaps didn't need to have if we had done certain things differently. Um, and we will do irreparable harm. I mean, we'll, we'll create centuries, if not eons, of difficulty um, for planet and for the people on it. And so we just, we just can't afford those lapses of attention. At least the medical profession needs to pay attention and not lose sight of it and, and, and build up into it. Um, and so that's the contribution I can make. I, I'm not an environmental scientist, so I, I never had any illusions that I would, you know, end um, certain energy policies. And of course, that's the root cause of all this. But the, but we, we have to get the medical profession just saying, you know, the reason why X percent of my patients are in the clinic, including you, is because we have climate change. Yeah, we have to personalize it. We need to, in terms of climate policy, use the building blocks of state climate policy because those are important uh, teaching points and recognize that, that eventually the climate problem has to be solved. I mean, it has to come from the United States uh, on that provincial to think that, you know, it's not gonna, if we solve it in, uh, in Rwanda, that's great, but that's not going to move the needle worldwide. The U.S., the China, the European Union, um, those those entities have to face up to it and be relentless on it. And till that happens, we're going to just keep backsliding. And we see what happens yeah. when we backslide. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Can you... So I like to ask, since you've engaged and kind of faced the climate crisis and made this part of your work as a physician and a leader, what has that work given your life? It's meaningful. I think it's, you know, when you ha have a different perspective on your own personal projected future, uh, it's nice to be able to uh, work on things that give back. So this is a, this is a, this is a giving back activity. Um, and, you know, so why am I giving back? What have I been given? Um, well, the medical, being a doctor um, has been uh, incredibly rewarding for me. Um, I can't imagine that I would have picked another profession that would have uh, allowed me to be inquisitive, provide public service, um, take care of people, which is really what has been my MO from day one. Uh, I mean, the only time I, I tell my kids and I, my friends know that, the, you know, the only thing at the end of the day that makes me feel good about myself, so now we're getting into my personal psychology, is, is being able to help other people. That's what makes me feel good about myself. But what makes me makes me feel good about myself is being able to help other people. Having somebody say, thank you, you know, you solved this problem for me, or you made 
you made me more comfortable or you, you know, you ran interference for me so I could get into the hospital, you know, which is what we do, right? You know what we do. We, we take care of people, but we also run interference for them in the, in the healthcare system, which you've got to have. So now I'm kind of moving that up to another level. I'm trying to run interference for mankind with the climate, <laughs> climate problem. And I'm grateful grateful for having had the opportunity you know they you know I was an okay student I wasn't spectacular but you know they took a chance on me to let me come into medical school and and uh, I'm grateful for that I really am I, I loved being a doctor and I'm still a doctor you know I still I've told all my friends you know I'm I've retired quote unquote but I you know I can still help them and and uh run interference for him and do most of what I did before. So uh, I just can't walk into the emergency department and, and uh, you know, grab a tray and stick a tube in their chest, you know. So it's just just a different experience. So I'm grateful. I'm, I'm trying to give back um, to everybody and everything that has put up with me all these years and just do something worthwhile. Spend all my time trying to figure out how to go on vacations and do that, you know, be be a caricature and play golf. And it's just not me. It's just not me. So one last question, parting advice from Paul. If one of our colleagues, you know, yesterday had kind of their climate awakening and they realized what the climate crisis means for everyone they love. And they came to you and they said, Paul, what do I do as a doctor? What do I do in the face of the climate crisis? What would you advise them to do? So first of all, I'd say uh, at least skim through and maybe read Enviromedics so that you have an opportunity to see the breadth and depth of what's out there that we have to deal with just from a medical perspective. Once you've gone through that and you recognize, because that covers both the, the health impacts and it also covers the cause. Once you've done that, if you see something where you feel like you have a leg up on your next door neighbor and something that you have special knowledge in or special interest in, or you can make a contribution to solving for a problem, go right to that gravitate right to some way that you can get involved, um, continually educate yourself and try and help somebody. Um, find um, if, if, if you're in a position to educate other physicians, um, make yourself smart enough so that you can do that. Get ready to build on small successes, but find a way to get involved. Um, get really good at living in an environment that you want to improve. So make sure you know the environment, know what their challenges are, um, know what's realistic to accomplish and what isn't. Nobody wants to have their neighborhood burned down. So that's a pretty safe one. Jump in there, um, get involved somehow, um, decide what your strength is. If you don't want to be out preaching, I do it on request, but I'm not, that's not my MO. I'm finding what I've been good at in the past, which is dreaming up projects and getting them done. That's a, that's a good way to go, but get involved. I mean, you have an organization that lists other organizations and people to get involved, but do something. You know, if you just, your way of starting is to ease in and just learn and learn and learn, then, then do that. But when you see an opportunity to be involved with something, even if you're going to make yourself look a little foolish because you're going to be undereducated, it's okay. Everybody's in the same 
place. You know, yep. I'm, I'm talking to you and you know a heck of a lot more than I do. And I'm not going to be intimidated by that. I'm going to try and learn from that. And that's where all the doctors are. The doctors need to learn now. You've learned medicine. Now you need to learn climate science. Just embrace that. That's your next education. Get ready for what you're going to do in your retirement, but don't wait that long. So your advice is to check out your book, which we'll definitely include in the show notes, um, to start that kind of CME process on climate and then get engaged and, and get involved with acting to solve the climate crisis to protect everyone we love. That's right. Feel good about feeling good about doing something about climate change. The whole world just came together in a frantic, panic-driven mode to deal with COVID. If the world would come together in a panic mode for climate change, we maybe wouldn't solve the whole problem, but we might make some incremental changes. Coming, I wish there was a shot we could give people right between the eyes um, and and get them woken up to yeah. what this what this is. So. Yeah, there's no vaccine for climate. I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining, sharing your yourself, your experience, your aphorisms. Um, and we'll share out your book too, so people can use that as a resource to get onboarded to the medical community climate of activism. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Before you go, please check out Enviromedics, The Impact of Climate Change on Human Health by Jay Lemery and Dr. Paul Auerbach. Until next time, this is Angela Geronimo. Stay courageous and share these podcasts with your friends and colleagues.